Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's interview is with Holly Ann Fricky, a runner that's been too often sidelined in recent years. We discuss the running bug biting her almost a decade ago and her subsequent chase for the Boston Marathon. Plus, her bouts with injuries, what happens when a self-defined runner can't run anymore, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Holly Ann Fricky. Holly Ann Fricky, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Thank you. Glad to be here. So happy to have you in. I start every podcast by asking my guest about how their most recent run went. I know that you have been dealing with all sorts of stuff that we'll be getting into tonight. How was the most recent run and when did you get out last? It was good. I went out this morning. Um, it's not on Strava, so maybe it doesn't count. Um, <laughs> stopped using Strava a little while ago. Um, but yeah, I just went for a little easy 35 minutes uh, around the neighborhood. Um, yeah. Very curious. What was the reason behind uh, not using Strava anymore? Um, I think I just needed a little bit of uh, self-preservation while I was going through injury and yeah. just uh, not wanting to worry too much about what other people were doing and comparing myself to my previous self and, and what other people were doing. So um, it's been it's been pretty good for my mental health. <laughs> yeah, you know, I often will think of when I am in a bit of a rut and I feel like I was in one, especially over the last few weeks with the weather and so much treadmill running, I find myself not on the app as much as I am when I'm having like a good a good time. <laughs> yeah, so like the last few runs, you know, outside Saturday, Sunday, Monday we're recording this on a Tuesday. I have really enjoyed them again. And so I've been on the app more and I've been seeing how my friends are doing more. And uh, and we'll talk about your your injuries tonight. But I always do. I know that, f- that feeling of, you know what, I think I'm going to stay away for, for the time being. But to fully remove it, do you feel like that's ultimately been a net positive for, for your for your life or your mental well-being? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, um, I'm definitely still a data nerd. Um I work in uh, research for a living, so I, I do have I do have my data in other ways. Just um, have chosen to keep it a little bit more private, and um, yeah, overall that's been that's been a positive experience for me. I think occasionally there are times where I I miss it a little bit, um, but it's been it's been the right choice for me. What do you sure. miss the most? Um, I mean, I think just the seeing what other people are doing, being able to encourage them, and I think. Um, that's just something that I've had to like make sure I'm going out of my way and doing that in other ways. Sure. So whether that's on Instagram or just in person, um, just having those like kind of authentic conversations around how someone's running is going um, yeah. rather than just giving them kudos, which is totally fine. But sure. just finding other ways to, to do that and engage with people. I want to I want to go back to something as we begin the conversation by looking at something that you wrote after CIM in 2018. Uh, you said from from the outside and to the non runner, I know all this can look silly. Why did I keep trying so hard at something I had failed at so epically so many times? I could have walked away countless times, taken on new goals, redefined my running outside the marathon. I'm not sure that I'll ever be fully able to answer about or that why. But as I've written before, I knew from the beginning that the marathon and I were going to have something special. I finally believed that we could have our moment and we did. So that was five years ago. Yeah, take me back. (laughs) And this is coming off of a chase for a BQ. And and you were able to get it that day. Yes. Given what has happened since then, I wonder how you would describe the why of it, the relationship with running, and and how that has evolved and changed for the positive and better since then, or for the positive and negative since then. Yeah, big question. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess we can we can dive in a little bit to my running journey. Um, I 
was a uh, soccer player most of my life growing up. Um, that was kind of my main sport in in high school and was was pretty good there for a while and really just got into running um, as a way to stay kind of conditioned for soccer. I grew up in Southern California, so um, soccer was a winter sport. So I started doing cross country in the fall, um, did not take it seriously at all. It was really just to stay in shape for soccer. And it was like a Oh, I'll run when the boys are watching and um, otherwise not take it very seriously <laughs> <laughs> kind of a situation. Um, but, you know, after I stopped playing soccer, um, you know, more competitively, it definitely running was the thing that um, kind of stuck with me um, just as like a method of exercise and um, decided to to get into it a little bit more competitively um, after grad school. In grad school, I had run one half marathon um, my husband and I, we lived in Arizona at the time and we had a buddy that was like, Oh, I'm fundraising for can't even remember the, remember the organization at this point, but they were like, you know, you should join our team. And I think, you know, he had probably only run, my husband had probably only run three or four miles um, at the time. And I think I'd maybe run like seven and we're like, yeah, sure. We'll do that. We'll do this half marathon. And it was, you know, it was course, of course it was terrible. We yeah. hadn't trained. <laughs> Um, you know, sore for two weeks, like swore it off, never running this far again. And yep, then, yep. you know, some time goes by and you're like, Hmm, this might be better if I trained. Um, and it turns out it is, it, it's easier and harder all at the same time. Very much so. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, just, yeah, got, got the bug to kind of do it again and trained for a couple half marathons. Um, once we moved back to Omaha in 2012, um, and yeah, just like started to like really see progress and just like felt good to kind of do something competitive again. Like I'd been a competitive athlete yeah. all growing up um, and didn't really expect that I would find my way back to something that felt like that um, and started to like meet people through running and all of that. And, um, you know, long story short, as it goes for a lot of people, eventually you're like, well, you got to run a marathon. And sure. spoiler alert, you don't have to run a marathon, <laughs> um, even though I've written about marathoning being very special to me doesn't make you more or less of a runner to do it or not do it. Um, very much believe that. But yeah, eventually ran um, Chicago Marathon in 2015 was my first marathon. Um, had an absolute blast and was just like, okay, yeah, like I think I could like get really good at this. Um, like I've really just scratched the surface and I uh, ran Chicago again the next year um, as my second marathon, qualified for Boston. Um and missed the cutoff. Yep, I know that feeling <laughs> um, very well. Yes, I know you do. Um, and yeah, so that was 2016. So some might say I dodged a bullet by not running the 2018 race, which was like the torrential downpour. My hy- dad read that hypothermia one. year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard stories from people where they're like, I couldn't open my gels. My hands are frozen. My my dad, he he ran it, and it's one of his like favorite and I think like least favorite days as a runner he's ever had. Totally. Yeah. So. I, um, after missing the cutoff, I just had a series of just really crappy races. Like I, um, not like qualifying for Boston, but then not making the cutoff. Like, I think just like my training was there for so many races, but like mentally, I just was like struggling so much, not really believing in myself. Were you like Like, putting too much pressure on yourself? Totally too much pressure. Just like was not able to kind of execute on the day i mean i definitely had some like very warm weather races so you know there's some excuses there but um ultimately like i just i did not have the confidence um that was needed to kind of execute on race day um and i really i think ultimately for me like having the successful day that i eventually did have at cim 
um, which was, which was, I think the third marathon I ran that year. Um, (sighs) I had done Lincoln in May and then tried to like turn right around and do like a revenge marathon that did not go well. (laughs) That goes well, like half the time, um, that time it didn't. Um, and then later, later in the year in December, of course I ran CIM. And I think for me, it was really, I had to let go of it being about qualifying for Boston and getting to Boston. Like, even though I definitely wanted that, it was like, no, you need to just run the race that you know you're capable of and the rest will come with it. And of course, you know, I'd been trying to like run, you know, just under three thirty, and like I ran three, three fourteen at CIM. And so, um, you know, all of my training was like pointing to that, but I just, I still was like thinking of myself as this like 330, 335 runner. And I just needed to get out of my own head and like go, you know, execute. Yeah. I make it sound easy. It wasn't. Um, but I had to stop thinking about it as like qualifying for Boston. It was like, go run the race that you know you're capable of and that all your training points to and that all your other races, um, race distances, you know, times point to. So. So as we have gotten further than past that day, and and again, you wrote uh, about being able to fully answer the why. I imagine you've had a lot of time to think <laughs> about that question in recent years. Do, do you feel like you have a, a an answer now that you didn't then? Ooh, that's a hard question. Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny thinking back. So that's actually still my marathon PR. I've run a couple other marathons since then, um, but it's definitely still my PR by... A long shot and um, coming off of CIM, I mean, I definitely thought that was like kind of the beginning of my, you know, quote unquote, like running journey. And um, maybe it is, but I've also spent um, the better part of the last four years kind of in this like injury, surgery, recovery cycle. Um, And so I think I, um, yeah, I've like definitely spent a lot of time thinking about my why and whether I you know, want to want to keep doing this or, or if I can keep doing this, you know, physically, mentally and um, have definitely learned that there's just like a lot to like running is about running, but it's also not. Um, 100%. It's really just, you know, about like how you can kind of apply these lessons to your life. And I think um, for me, a big one has just been learning how to I guess live without something that I like love so much um, and just finding the balance between doing everything I can to like get myself back to a place where it like might be possible, but also just like being okay with the reality that my body might, might say no. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a pretty good life lesson. I think you can apply that to, to lots of things. Um, so just trying like not to, not to force it, but also doing everything like positive I can in my, Mm -hmm. in my power to get myself back to a place where, I might be able to, you know, take a stab at this again. Um, but in the interim, also like letting myself, you know, lean into like other pieces of my life because we're dynamic people, like we're runners and that's important, but there's, there's lots of pieces to us. Let's go all the way back. Um, you mentioned that you were, uh, you, you did running just to, you know, essentially stay in shape for other sports. What was your relationship like it, uh, like with running back then? I always think, to like when I played football as a kid and you mess up in practice and the punishment was do a lap around the track. And so the, the, the association you have with it as a youngster can often be, this is bad. This is a punishment. This is something I don't want to do. Was it something similar for you as you were growing up? No, I always loved any kind of, any kind of activity. In fact, I, I think my, like maybe my earliest like running memory is I had a, my third grade teacher was a ex Marine. Um, and so his, um, 
punishment or what he thought was punishment or what was punishment for most kids was was some sort of um, some sort of physical exertion around the uh, you know, the football field at school. And I love that. I was like, yeah, send me out to like, <laughs> send me out to do some laps. Um, so yeah, I always definitely had a, a positive association with, with running. Um, my mom ran, ran a little bit, um, also just for exercise. And so in, you know, middle school into high school, that was also something that, um, you know, she and I were able to bond over a little bit. So it definitely always had a positive association for me, but was never something I really thought much about, like, you know, doing competitively. Like I said, I didn't yeah. take cross country very seriously. It was just kind of like, all right, I'm just like doing this. This is social. Um, never thought it would, you know, turn into anything kind of beyond that. So what changed? Cause you said earlier, you know, the running bug bitcha, what, 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 what was it about it or that time in your life? What, what led you on the path that you found yourself on? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think just in general, like physical activity has always been something that's important to me. Like I grew up in a family that was very active um, and, you know, like a lot of high school collegiate athletes, like once you don't have whatever you're the doing, sport. it's like you got to find something else. You got to replace it with something. Um, and I think, you know, just the cliche that like running is kind of one of the easiest things to pick up. Like as a poor college student, it was like, OK, this is accessible to me. Um, you know, I can do it outside. I can do it. At the gym, at school, I don't need fancy shoes. Of course, now, like, we do need fancy <laughs> shoes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was just the kind of the, like, easy, accessible thing and sort of the thing that I knew other than soccer. Um, mm -hmm. So it felt kind of, like, easiest to lean into. And I think, um, you know, I also was decent at it. That always helps. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, makes you, you know, want to lean into something a little bit more. So. You, you talked about the uh, the half that you ran and doing it for a fundraiser. And then, you know, you're like, never again. And then you end up running Chicago in 2015. Going into that, was that, do you, do you feel like you approached it as well as you can for a first first time marathoner? Yeah, I totally do. I um, I mean, I definitely like trained hard. You know, I followed like a, you know, Hal Higdon plan. I was going like, to ask if it was Hal Higdon. Something like that. Um, you know, and I, I took the training very seriously and, and all of that. Um, but I didn't really go in with any like time expectations or anything like that. And really just like wanted to have fun and like soak in all the energy. And I don't know if you've had a chance to do Chicago, a couple um, times. but yeah, it's, it it's was, awesome. it, it kind of like, you know, set the bar pretty high for mm -hmm. like marathons to come. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily prefer like the really big races. Um, I love it. I've done it now four times. Um, the energy is I would great. do it every year if I could. Um, yeah. so yeah, but I really, I feel like I went into it with as good of a mindset as you can. And that was, that was, you know, sort of the beginning of, when I was starting to feel a little bit more competitive about running. And I think that that's like the best way to approach um, a first, a first marathon or really a first race, like of any distance. Um, but that doesn't always happen. <laughs> you, you told me uh, we were emailing to set this up and you mentioned that that was the, the first marathon you ran. And as you said to me, the Boston dream was born. Um, yep. what, so first of all, what, what was your time that you had coming out? Do you remember coming out of Chicago and what was your age group, um, Boston qualifying time at that moment in time? Like what were you at yeah. and where did you need to get to? I ran three fifty seven, Um, and I was a little bit injured actually going into the race. So I, I was like pretty, I took it pretty conservatively. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that, you know, chipping away 20, 25 minutes, whatever it was. Um, I think it was 
I think it was 335 for my age group at the time. Um, so I knew that would be like a, a decent chunk, but I also felt like, okay, with, with like another couple of cycles under my belt and yeah. with like not, you know, going in with any kind of injury, um, and, you know, maybe learning a little bit more about fueling. Like sure. I think I took one gel, yep, like yep. in the whole race, um, and was like hesitant even to do that. Um, I knew there was like a lot of things that I could optimize. Um, and yeah, I mean, I didn't think it would like happen quite so soon. It was like definitely a big surprise that I was able to do that just in the next year. I ran 3:32 um, at Chicago, and then that ended up being like the year that was like a four-minute cutoff or something like that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and so I wanted to ask you because you know when you say uh, Boston is the goal, I know how I felt when that became my goal, and how it's like, okay, I'm going to read as much as I can. I'm going to throw myself into this as much as possible. What did that look like for you? Because I'm guessing something similar happened after the first Chicago marathon obsessive. Yeah. So like how, <laughs> how did your, at this point, I think the relationship with running, it certainly is going to go up a level. And I feel like you're going to change a lot about your lifestyle. And that's that. May, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but I, I feel like that was definitely when I started truly identifying myself as a runner. So what did that look like for you at, at that moment in time? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think so between, um, between the two Chicago's I did work with, um, I worked with the coach, not the coach that I'm affiliated with now. Um, and that helped a lot. So I think just, you know, like I, I definitely had the, I had the structure for my first marathon, but it was, you know, just kind of the like typical Hal Higdon template, which I think is perfect for like a great start. lots of first marathoners, but having something a little bit more individualized and like starting to incorporate just like basic speed work, basic, like long run workouts, that kind of thing. Um, so I think just, yeah, that was like the big, the big difference in between those two times. Um, and then after, after Chicago 2016, when I qualified and missed the cutoff, um, I ran Lincoln in the spring and had, it was 17. Yes. Oh, the super warm day. One of the many, but yes. Um, yeah, I was stupid enough to turn around and do it again in 2018 too. After, (laughs) after saying like, I will never do this full again. Um, so I'll go like literally on the record and say, I will never do that. I'm never running. I will never do that full again. (laughs) No, absolutely. I feel like we all heard it here first. (laughs) Yeah. We all have a million of those stories. Mine is from last year, horrible experience. I will never, I will never do it again. At the same time as this between boss or between, excuse me, Chicago 15 and Chicago 16, you also found the Scriptown Running Club. Yes. And so, you know, and I feel like, again, this is kind of the true leveling up of the relationship with running where it's like, you know, we always talk about running community and, and the appreciation of it. You're creating, in a way, a running community. How did that come about at that time? And why did that come about? Yeah. Um, just kind of happenstance. We, my husband and I live um, just a couple of miles down the road from Scriptown um, Brewing Company, which is a local brewery here. Um, and I think they opened in like 2014 and we just kind of always hung out like in the Blackstone neighborhood and we were, uh, we've been regulars there for a while and we were just like sitting at the bar one night talking to the bartender and another couple that was there, um, that had recently moved back to Omaha from Colorado and they were affiliated with, um, a running club there that met also on Thursday nights at six, which is when we now meet, um, and they wanted to get something started here and they we just happened to like strike up a conversation and we were like we're runners they're like we're runners and we're like hey let's just give it a try and so we talked to the um talked to the owner and um 
we're just like, yeah, let's put it out on social media to our, you know, very small running networks at this stage. And I think we had nine people there the first night. That was March, beginning of March in 2016. Uh And it's just grown exponentially from there. Um, So, yeah, we're coming up on eight years of doing that. I think uh, Rob, our uh, our founder, um, the other the other couple um, would probably know how many we've canceled, but like I could probably count them on two hands outside of COVID. Um, we have met pretty much in every type of weather. Um, even when we like don't have the run, people still come because I think that I, I think that really speaks to like the community that we've built. People want to come hang out on Thursday nights and it's a um, it's a sure thing that they can you know, rely on. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always been so bummed because so many of the running groups, including that one. And I, I lived in uh, an apartment complex. I mean, r- a couple blocks away at one point in time, but my show ends at six. And so it's always like, Oh man, I wish it was like a six fifteen or six thirty running group. And it, it, what you just said about seemingly in all kinds of weather, that's always the thing that blows me away. Cause I follow a handful of people on Strava who will run in that either weekly or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a, once or, or twice a month. And I'm always blown away by no matter how cold, no matter how windy, no matter if the sun is up or the sun is down, I, I feel like I'm following someone every Thursday who is going out for a run. And I think that that is really special because there are some clubs that come and go with sure. the summer. It's another thing entirely to do it you know, on a, on a night like we've had you know, at various points throughout the month of January. Yeah. It's always funny explaining it to like new people. They're like, okay, so... <laughs> When does it stop? And we're like, no, it doesn't stop. Like, um, so yeah, I mean, within within reason, as long as it's safe, um, I think it's definitely a point of pride for us to um, usually at least have at least a handful of people that yeah. that go out and go for a run or 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 go for a walk or or whatever. So. You said it started with nine. Do you do you know the number? Like the largest number you've ever had at one run? I don't know. Um, there were. Uh, I bet we've had you know sixty or so. Um, you know, pretty routinely over the summer. I don't know what the, what the biggest one is, but yeah. yeah. And I mean, really even, even in the winter and even on some of these extreme days, we still get a good, a good chunk of people. So it's pretty, it's pretty impressive, but yeah, I mean, now there's, now there's a run club on every, every night. night. Um, and, but back in, you know, 2016, there really was not a ton of other um, kind of recurring run clubs like uh, P performance had their like Monday night runs in the summer. Um, and a lot of us would go to that as well, but this was kind of the only other game in town. And now mm-hmm. there's of course a lot and there's crossover between different groups, but, yeah. um, we definitely like to think of ourselves as being one of the, one of the first, one of the OGs. Yeah. And plus that one, what I, you know, what I miss most, I think about living in this part of town is the field club trail. Yeah. And totally. that's the, that's the, I mean, you want to talk about just an awesome, awesome views, awesome trail, awesome elevation gain, or, you know, whatever it is. I I adored that trail, and I think that that trail in particular is a big reason why I was able to become what I, you know, am today as a runner. Even though I haven't, I don't know the last time I ran. It's been years <laughs> now. I wrote when I moved. I wrote on my Substack. I wrote like essentially an ode to that trail and how I miss seeing you know, Derek. I, I saw Derek so many mornings before yep. we even knew each other, <laughs> among many other people. So it's it's an incredible trail. So yeah, if you're in the Omaha area, uh, that is a Thursday night, right? Yep, Thursday Thurs- night. Thursdays at six. We do have a little a little joke about it's really more like Thursdays at six oh five because we we wait a couple minutes. Um, con- Congregate, take a photo, go sure. through a little spiel in case there's any new people, um, which surprisingly there continues to be new people Very almost cool. every week. Um, and then we take off and it's just a, an out and back on the field club trail for um, however long you want to go, which I think is, is kind of cool too. Yeah. Um, because we've got people that want to run kind of the full distance, which is around five miles. Um, other people want to turn around a lot sooner. We've got P 
people that walk, people that come with their kids, strollers, bikes, everything. So that's so cool. Uh, yeah. You mentioned earlier you're from California. So what what is the what is the Omaha running community meant for you, especially given you know the last few years? Yeah, it's been huge. I mean, I feel like um, I moved here originally to go to college. I went to college at Creighton and um, then moved away for a couple of years to go to grad school in Arizona. And when we moved back um, to Omaha in 2012, we really didn't know a ton of people outside of extended family, um, most of which weren't like directly in Omaha. And so we, uh, you know, for the first time in our life, kind of had to like try to make friends like we weren't, you know, in a in a college situation or a grad school situation. It was yeah. like, oh, we got to like we got to put ourselves out there if we want to make friends, um, you know, and we had coworkers and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I would say you know, 95% of the the friends that I have, I've met through running, whether that's um, through Script Town or other run clubs or just racing, or um, I worked at Peak Performance for a few years as well. Um, haven't worked there for a couple of years, but met a lot of people there as well. And yeah, it's it's been huge. I like don't know, I don't know what my circle would be if yeah. it weren't for <laughs> running. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of those like relationships have have transcended running and become like bigger than our running relationship. But that's that's kind of the entry point to a lot of my um, close friendships, for sure. That's so cool. So let's go back now to 2016. So we talked about the 2015 version of Chicago and the game plan then moving forward. So the first question about 2016 that I have is, did you think that it was possible to qualify for Boston that early and if so, like, what was what was that plan like? Because I wonder if it's something that you, whenever you started training for the 2016 Chicago Marathon, if it was like, this could be the one, or was that something maybe you learned about yourself over the course of that training period? Yeah, I think I, I think I more so learned it like over the course of the training period and, you know, did some other kind of like build up races that sort of pointed in the direction of like, maybe this could be possible, but I definitely didn't, um, you know, I entered, I entered that training period cycle thinking like I want to start building towards qualifying for Boston, but I didn't think it would necessarily um, be the one. And of course, like I knew enough to know that like, you know, people try to like qualify for Boston for years a lot of times. And so I wanted to be respectful of that and um, just, yeah, respect the distance and respect how hard um, marathoning is and, you know, feel like I, I worked hard and, and also had a little bit of luck um, (laughs) as it goes. Um, and then, yeah, ultimately, obviously, missed the cutoff. So, <laughs> yeah, the I, some uh, one once asked me, like, did you have a run? Because I was the same way when I was training for 2022 Chicago. My uh, idea early on was I want to see if I can go sub 315. At that time, I'd run a 324 high. So I was like, 315, that's going to be my goal. Um, and then I have a run. It's August 16th, 2022, which is awesome because now that is my uh, the day I got married one year later. Um, and that run, 15 miles. Uh, long, you know, medium long run on a weekday morning, and it went better than I ever would have imagined. And that was the first time, and it was Derek actually who mm. was like, "You, you need to essentially start believing that you can do this <laughs> a little sooner, maybe than you planned." And so I kind of started planning on that. And towards the end of that cycle, th- I, I had a couple of runs in particular where I was like, "All right, I'm going to see what I can do at this pace and just see how the South 651 feels." Um, do you have a run like that when you look back on your training for Chicago, where you left it, you got home, you talked to your husband, and you're like? I I might this, this might be the one. I don't know. I I can't. I I do have that for other for other buildups, but I don't know that I do for that. I think it was just um 
yeah, I don't know that I do for that for that training cycle. I think just in general, I started to feel like, yeah, maybe it's possible. And like it's it feels possible enough to like go out there and like, you know, kind of try for that that effort. But um, no specific run comes to mind that yeah. yeah points to that feeling. What do you remember most about that day, that race? Um, just kind of shocked, honestly. Um, I think just, yeah, not it, it didn't go perfectly. I mean, the plan was to run you know, like to get a little bit more of a buffer yeah. for myself. Um, and, you know, as, as, as it happens often, like the wheels kind of, you know, fell apart for the last few miles. So it didn't, um, it certainly wasn't the like perfectly executed race alongside the BQ that like we all kind of dream of. Um, but it was still, you know, pretty, uh, I was pretty elated. More from Holly Ann Fricky in just a moment, but did you know that treatments invented at St. Jude have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80% since it opened more than 50 years ago? At St. Jude, they will not stop until no child dies from cancer. And once again, I am raising money for St. Jude in my buildup towards the Chicago Marathon. I'll be back there this October. I have a goal this year, just like I did in 2022, of raising $5,000. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to donate directly to my fundraiser, head to the link in the show notes. Once again, super appreciative. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment travel, housing, or food, because at St. Jude, they believe that all a family should worry about is helping their child live. Again, head to the show notes for more information. Click that link if you would like to donate. Back to my conversation with Holly and Fricky. So that was... This is October of 2016, mm-hmm. and that is the beginning, essentially, of the Boston window. Mm-hmm. So you qualify for the 2018 Boston Marathon, and as you said, uh, eventually you missed the cutoff time. So I looked it up this morning. There were 5,062 runners that did not reach the cutoff time that had qualified. Uh, the cutoff time was 323. Um, what, where were you at within that rate? Like, how many seconds did you ultimately, or minutes, did you ultimately miss it by? So uh, I think I had like a... T- Two and a half minute buffer. Oh, so probably so about a minute. About a minute, I think it was. Yeah. So uh, when I missed mine um, in the lead up to it, uh, the the vibes were bad because first <laughs> of all, it was like the most people ever have had a qualifying time. So I was like, oh boy. And so then I'm hopping on Reddit, I'm reading oh, things, yeah. and it's like you know. So there are all these graphs, and it's like essentially. So I missed it by 16 seconds, and oh so God. yeah, and so like all of them. I, I told my wife like the day and, and the weeks that follow, I'm like. I'm going to be right. I mean, I'm either just going to get it or I'm just going to miss it. And so by the time that I got the news, I, I was kind of prepared, um, though it still was a kick in the teeth. This is a different era of of running Internet. Yeah. Did you have an idea like, oh, boy, this might not be enough? Uh, short answer, no. Like I this was sort of like pre pre obsessive runner version of myself <laughs> in a good way, mostly. But yeah, I know I, I was pretty I was pretty surprised. Yeah. Like as it got closer um, to when it got announced, I was like sort of got aware of like, oh, this might this like might not happen. And I like peripherally knew that like, you know, there'd been cutoffs, but this was kind of the beginning of that era. Um, And then after that was when I like got pretty obsessive about, yes, like checking all the like 
all the subreddits and all the yep, like, yep. you know, charts of people trying to predict <laughs> and where I was going to fall and where my friend was going to fall and all of that. Um, but yeah, in, in, in 2016 or I guess 2017, it would have been when finding out I was like blissfully unaware. Yeah. So you essentially find out a year later, we, we mentioned Lincoln that you ran Lincoln that year too. And so it's funny. So it seems like we kind of had a similar situation where I went into Lincoln last year hoping like, okay, let's add a little bit more, but not thinking at all that I needed to add a little bit more. And so I went out way too fast. I fell apart late and, but I was like, I mean, I was really bummed and it took me like a month to come out of that funk. But if I would have known that day, like, hey, you just need to beat your time by 16 seconds. I do wonder, like, okay, I, my race strategy changes completely. Totally. Do you have a similar to then that October or September when you found out about Boston? Are you relitigating yourself then for, for that previous May in Lincoln? Yes. And then I also ran Chicago again in 2017. So that would have been, I guess, just a few weeks after finding out about Boston. And I was like, okay, you know, like I, I couldn't make it happen in Lincoln where I didn't think I needed to make it happen. Yep. Um, and I kind of, I had kind of like written that off as like, you know, it was a really hot day, um, which it was. Um, yes. But yeah, then I had another kind of disappointing day at Chicago in 2017. It was also really hot, but I think I just like, like I mentioned earlier, just mentally was like not, not in it. Yeah. Um, because or, of or, or, or two in it, perhaps like just too, putting too much pressure on myself. Interesting. Cause at this time you, I guess you, did you know, did you know about 2018 Boston by the time you went to Chicago? I think so. So do you think that that was still hanging over you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. What what did that, what did that um, moment look like for you now in hindsight? What is that over six years ago now when you learned that you miss (laughs) Boston? Like, what are the emotions that come back when you think of that? Yeah. I mean, I think um, at the time I was like pretty crushed about it and, you know, definitely had just like the sort of dramatic, like. Oh, I'm never going to get there. And, you know, this was this was a fluke. You know, this 2016 race was a fluke and I'm I'm never going to get that good again um, because I know how hard I had to work um, for that to happen. And I know I've worked even harder these last couple of cycles and it didn't happen. You know, so I'm trying to kind of like make make it make sense. Yeah. Um, Marathoning doesn't make sense. So, you know, I've I've since learned that. Um, But, yeah, I definitely like I definitely beat myself up about it a little bit. Do you, um, do you that, feel that like fall in 2017? Do you feel like you had an unhealthy relationship then with with the sport? Um, a little bit. I mean, I think I, I think I also was like, okay, I'm 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 ready to like change up, you know, what I'm doing, and so ultimately ended up hiring um, my coach that I'd been with for not working with him currently, but um, worked with him for five years, and mm-hmm. now actually work under him as a coach. Um, so that was that was like right after. Um, Chicago 2017 I was like okay I gotta change something um so it was a little bit of like beating myself up but also like I was you know not like so in my head that I couldn't see like oh let's just let's try something else um and so yeah started working with him in November of 2017 I think it was okay right after Chicago so um, so that next year then leads up to CIM and we talked about that earlier yep and one of the things that you wrote after that one uh, was this marathon wasn't supposed to happen and almost didn't so mm-hmm. I feel like there's obviously you know a story about that year in the lead up to that what's that story yeah a story was um, when I started working with Dave we decided to well I decided to do Lincoln um stupidly again in 2018 um I kind of was like you know I had a bad day here in 2017 um but also it's it's super convenient I want to run something close to home I want to run something in the spring um so let's just like 
go at it again. And it was another pretty hot day. And I think I also was just still putting a lot, like way too much pressure on myself. Um, that was kind of the like height of my obsessive era, I guess, <laughs> um, like in an unhealthy way about running. Um, and then that's when I turned around and ran another marathon like six weeks later after Lincoln, Ooh. which, um, like I said, I think I can, sometimes it can work and it didn't in my case. Um, I had a, like a better race, but still not, uh, I still didn't qualify for Boston, which was you know, ultimately the goal. Um, and then, you know, we had kind of decided like, all right, we need to like put the marathoning on hold for a little bit, um, which I totally agree with. And, you know, I've said the same thing to people as a coach now, yeah. um, but I just couldn't let it go. Um, and so, you know, we kind of let this, let the summer go by, did some shorter races. And I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta do something. And I feel like, um, this was around the time when I think CIM started to gain popularity as like. You know, the midsize race where like people go to run fast yep. and people go to get their, you know, Boston qualifier. And um, yeah, so I signed up in the fall and um, had just like an absolutely amazing few months of training. Um, I really just like, like I said earlier, kind of let go of it being about qualifying for Boston and just like really had to reframe it being about like executing the best training that I could and then you know the best race that I could. Um, but I had some really great races, um, in the buildup in particular, I ran the good life Habsy, I think like five weeks out. Um, and that was like, you know, I think about thinking about like moments where it was like, okay, I, I like, know I can do this. Like yeah. that one definitely comes to mind. Um, I think my PR half before that was like 134 high and I ran like 131 low. Um, I like, just had no vision of like running that fast. Um, and just, yeah, had an amazing day. And that was a big confidence booster going, so, going into CIM, uh, which was, yeah, I think five weeks later. That's so. a large chunk to knock off, especially totally. for such an experienced runner. Yeah. You know, who had been running for, for quite a few years. You've said a, a few times throughout the interview, the word obsessive, like this was when I was at my obsessive <laughs> point. And, and then you've told these stories of, you know, getting the revenge marathon. I wonder how you would define being an obsessive runner at that time away from the races, like where did that show itself maybe in a negative way or a positive way, but in your training or how you were approaching your day-to-day -day running journey at that time? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think like a lot about it, like can be positive. Like I um, have always been somebody who's been like very consistent in my training. Like I don't really, I'm very self-motivated. Like I don't need yeah. someone to like tell me to go out to do my run. Like I, you know, I didn't like hire a coach for accountability, like, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I just, I've never needed that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was out there like every day, you know, no matter what. Um, but I think just in terms of the, the pressure I put on myself and, um, I think just like defining myself a little bit by my running performance. Um, and I think like on some level that's good, but also, like I said, at other points, um, you know, running is like only one part about me and a part about all of us. Like we're interesting, dynamic people. Like yeah. we've got jobs, we've got other things. Um, and I think I just like let it, I let it define me too much. And so when I, you know, failed, quote unquote, it was like, what do I have? Um, in reality, like I have a lot of other things. Um, yeah. But I let, I let that kind of be like my whole identity for a while, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I am someone who uh, 
always am thinking about what's next. I just met you an hour ago, not even. Um, I'm judging, uh, or I'm guessing rather, that you were in a similar boat with a lot of these races. And so I, I, I frame that to ask you about CIM because... As you said at the beginning of the conversation, you kind of thought that that was yeah. seemed like that was going to kick off the next part of your journey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, right now, that is your PR. That is the best you've ever ran a marathon before. Um, I always think back to one race in particular where I immediately on the next day, I'm just thinking about what's next. And I really regret it because it's like that day was super special. And, and now in hindsight, there's like this. But I was thinking about what's next. What was the, what was it like for you after CIM? Because I imagine you are thinking about, well, this is obviously going to mean Boston, and this is going to mean this, and this is going to mean that. Now, given that that is so far the best that you have run, how yeah. do you, how do those things go together? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's still like definitely one of the like I don't want to say top ten days in my life. Definitely top ten like running day for sure. Um, and I would put my first marathon up there as well. Whenever anyone talks about running their first marathon, I'm just like, Oh, I'm so jealous. Like you, you can't get that back. Like there's just like nothing like running your first marathon, um, and training for your first marathon. And like, you know, everything you do is like a first, it's like, Oh, my first 16 miler, my first 18 miler, my first 20 miler. Um, you just can't get that feeling back. Um, no matter how the, the actual race goes, but yeah, I mean, it's, I still, um, I think there were, there were a handful of years where, um, looking at like CIM memories, you know, that would pop up on Instagram or whatever. It was like, like almost too painful. Cause yeah. it's just like, I don't know that I'm ever going to get back there. Um, and I still don't, but I definitely like have gotten to a place where I can, um, you know, both, both things can be true. Like I can remember this like very fondly and like that really happened. Like it wasn't a fluke. Like I've had enough other, like, you know, good race performances to, um, to believe in myself. Um, but I can also sort of mourn like this current situation, which is like that I'm not there. And that's, you know, OK, like both things can be true. Yeah. So we, we talked a couple of minutes ago about knocking off a, a nice three minute chunk um, in the half marathon. So what was your PR going into CIM? Was that the, the Chicago? 3.32. So you, yeah. whoo, <laughs> I know. You, you ran a 3.14.25. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you almost knocked off 20 minutes going into that day where you... Were you like, this is going to be, this is going to be a really good day. And and if you thought that, did you think it could be that good of a day? Yes and no. Um, I mean, I think like I, I had definitely, you know, erased like a lot of doubt, um, you know, from the past couple of years, like going into CIM, but not all of it. Um, you know, I definitely was like still a little fearful about, okay, is, you know, whatever happened to me, like at the end of all these other marathons where I didn't meet my goal going to happen again. You know, like, am I going to, am I going to mentally fail? Am I going to physically fail? Um, That little voice was there, but you know, I like really just everything in my training pointed to it being a pretty big breakthrough. Um, And yeah, my training definitely pointed to like running between, you know, 310 and 315. So I think, yeah, I just like, I had to really just like believe that Um, Mm -hmm. there was like no reason to think that that, wouldn't be the case and there was no reason to go out and you know at that point like jog 330 yeah. um you know just to prove a point it was like no like we're going bigger going home um and yeah i mean it, it also was not 
a perfectly executed race, but it's. I wanted to ask de- you about that. Definitely as perfect as I've ever come. <laughs> yeah, because I have found myself. Um, I have run uh, in the last couple of years. I've gone sub three twice, and I ran a three hundred three in Lincoln in the really hot day. Yeah. But I would say the best I have ever felt is a three twenty four that I ran in Minneapolis <laughs> in twenty twenty one, and that's the one where I immediately was the next day like sub three is going to be the goal and I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to chase after it. And so I was wanted to ask you like, you know, cause that's the fastest. And so the fastest <laughs> for us is often, it's like, that's the hardest race. It's not the easiest race that yeah. we've ever had. Yeah. But. Yeah. It was, uh, I think my splits were relatively even. I definitely didn't negative split. Um, I've never negative split a marathon, but it was definitely the closest I've I'd ever come. There was no, like, there was no epic, like fallout the last few miles, which happened to me, uh, several other marathons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like I, um, I really, you know, for me, like people obviously have different sort of strategies to like, you know, kind of stay in it, like, um, during a race. And for me, like, I actually have to like, kind of take myself out of it. Like I can't like think about it too much. And so the goal was like really to just approach it. Like you're going for a long run. Like you're just going for a 20 mile long run. And then there's like going to be a little race at the end, (laughs) (laughs) which like sounds crazy to anyone that doesn't run marathons, I'm sure. But um, yeah. And that was like pretty effective. Like I just like really, I largely just like wasn't thinking about it for the majority of the race. And then like, you know, kind of had to like dig in and like, you know, think, think more about it like for the last, you know, 30, 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, that, that strategy was like very effective for me. I kind of just had to like tune out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do like weird things like count backwards by two and Uh like stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, just to like not think about running while I'm running. So I've given this wind up before on the pod. So I apologize to those who have listened, but I always talk to, to guests like you about qualifying for Boston. And I always put myself in your shoes because I know what I'm going to do when I start my training for it. And that's like, this is going to be the best cycle ever. This is going to be great. I'm going to go to Boston. And the goal is going to be a PR at Boston. (laughs) Um, Your lead up to Boston is very, very different. Because first of all, you qualify in 2018. And that means you qualify for 2020. Obviously, everyone listening knows what that is going to mean. That race eventually ends up getting postponed to 2021. At the same time, this is also when the injuries start entering. And so what at what point did that happen? Did did your body maybe start betraying you, I guess? Yeah. So I had run um, CIM in 2018 and um, kind of just agreed to like, take a season off of marathoning um, and not run anything until the fall. And so I focused in the spring on some shorter distance stuff um, and then decided to do Des Moines in 2019, fall of 2019. Um, And my training for Des Moines was um, going really well. You know, everything was kind of pointing to like, you know, we just like scratched the surface at CIM. Like it's going to be another big breakthrough. Um, Again, like had a couple other like really good buildup races. Um, had like an amazing um, kind of like dress rehearsal long run, like three weeks out from Des Moines. Um, it's like still one of the like runs I remember being like one of the best runs of my life. Um, just like ran, you know, however many miles at marathon pace. Like I just like can't even believe it that I did it. Um, and then the next day, like towards the end of that run. And then the next day I was like, hmm, something is just like, not quite right. Yeah. Um, like my hip just, this is my right hip, um, was kind of bothering me the last couple of miles and, you know, you just don't think anything of it. You're like, okay, like it'll sort itself out and taper. Um, 
you know, my body's just like kind of trolling me. Like, it's fine. I've had this happen before. No big deal. Um, and I really had never, um, never had any other like major injuries. Like before this, I've had a couple other like little niggles and stuff, but nothing major. So I, I don't really have a reason to be worried about it. Um, anyway, like, yeah, a few days more go on. It just like, doesn't really get better. Um, and long story short, it was like, you know, I had, I had like seen a doctor and they'd done an x-ray and there was like nothing acute that they could figure out. But, um, I was like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's right to, yeah. uh, like I, I know enough to know that like, this is not going to be a good situation to like run a race on. And, you know, I, I kind of have everything to lose. Like I still at this point think that I'm running Boston in April of 2020. So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to sit it out, like get it healed up. And like the goal is the ultimate goal is Boston anyways. So, um, yeah, long story short, like something was wrong. <laughs> um, I ended up, you know, eventually having an MRI. Um, I had a labral tear in my hip. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had a stress fracture on my femur and the thought was like, well, it could be the stress fracture that's causing the pain. Um, labral tears can like very commonly be asymptomatic. Um, they're pretty common to like pop up on MRIs. So they were like pretty quick to say, it might not be that it might just be the stress fracture. So we got to let that heal first. So that was like, you know, a couple of weeks on crutches, like not weight bearing, um, sort that out. And then they wanted me to basically like try running again after the bone injury healed. And then if that didn't fix it, then we should probably like take another look at, at the hip being the issue. And, and is this like 2019 still? This is like end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Um, so yeah, I like heal from the stress fracture. Um, that's like, you know, feeling fine. If I can kind of distinguish the the two pains, Yeah. Um, that piece is like feeling better. I like try, you know, like a very um, conservative, like return to running protocol. And it's just like not still not good. Um, so eventually they gave me like a diagnostic injection into my hip. Um, and the idea is like, if that provides like even temporary relief, um, it's probably in your hip joint. Um, and that was like, after I had that was like the best I'd felt in, you know, months. So, um, had to do some physical therapy basically to, you know, kind of like pre-authorize, um, for, for surgery. Um, but that was, I mean, by, by, by that point, I was kind of like, I just want to have surgery because I think this is like the, the quickest way like to, um, get better. Yeah. So what kind of mileage had you been doing leading up to the injury? Um, I'd say like training for training for CIM and then training for Des Moines. Like I was probably like averaging 50, 55 and like peaking at like, yeah, 60, 65. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at a certain point you are you are recovering and uh, then the marathon is postponed right at first because at first it was postponed to the fall. Yeah. So when I when I knew I was going to need to have surgery, I think it was like January or February 2020. So I knew there was a there was a time in there when I thought Boston was still happening and I thought that I would not be able to do it because of that. Um, so my surgery was originally scheduled for March of 2020. Um, and I feel like it got postponed right around the same time that like Boston ended up getting canceled. So it was just like this whirlwind whirlwind of emotions. Like I, I was in pain, like I was in everyday pain. So like, aside from running, it was just like, I just want to get this over with and like, you know, get the recovery started. Um, 
and this was like, you know, kind of like still, still in my, you know, obsessive, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like I, like I felt like my life was falling apart that I like didn't have, which it feels dramatic to say now, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had never dealt with anything like that. And just to have, you know, this thing I kind of like loved the most sort of ripped away from me um, was pretty rough. And then to add COVID on top of that, Not was a great like time. lots of other, lots of other changes for all of us um, was pretty rough, but um definitely a little glimmer in there was, you know, kind of this, like what became a moving target of like when Boston was going to be. And so that, that gave me like, you know, a little bit of hope of like, okay, well maybe depending on when it is, like maybe I will get to, we'll get to do it. Um, but I did end up having to wait a couple more months to have surgery. So I didn't have surgery until May. Um, and then I think in June they announced that it would be virtual, um, in September, and so that became kind of like, uh, you know, something I wanted to work towards doing it virtually if I could safely. Um, and so I ended up doing virtual Boston in September of 2020. Um, I did like a walk run situation and yeah, it was definitely my slowest marathon by far, but, um, I did like uh, four or five loops around Lake Manawa and I had a, a bunch of friends come out. I had one friend that ran the whole thing with me mm. um, and a few others that uh, ran a loop or so with me. And then we like made a little finish line and um, it was pretty neat. It was a pretty neat experience. Um, so super glad I did that. Was there a silver lining for you at all that it did not take place that year that they ended up postponing it to 2021 given that... I, I assume you probably wouldn't have been able to do, or I guess what do you have done actual Boston in 2020? I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I was, I was on the fence about whether that would be possible. And yeah. I mean, I, you know, even, even like with the virtual, like there was some ups and downs with my recovery that I was like, you know, I only want to do this if it's not going to be like detrimental to, you know, my healing and if my, you know, physical therapist and surgeon kind of sign off on it. So, um, it was kind of going to be a, like a game time decision even to, to do the virtual. So I don't know that I would have like gone all in on, um, as you know, going to Boston is expensive for the marathon. It's like, you know, you could probably go to Hawaii or Europe or something for cheaper. It was a silver lining of the 16 seconds fiasco. It was like, well, we can go somewhere else and yeah, it will be a whole lot cheaper. So yeah. you, you finally get to run it then in 2021. Um, yep. And that's the only Boston that you've run, correct? Mm-hmm. So your experience, you don't have anything else to compare it to. You don't get to compare it to a, a quote unquote normal year. Um, what was what did 2021 look like for you coming off of everything that you had gone through and, and you know, the training and the hopes and dreams for the 2021 iteration? Yeah, I mean, it was just this like total delayed gratification, <laughs> like <laughs> not only from, you know, qualifying and missing the cutoff in 2016, but then. Um, it being, uh, you know, almost three years removed from when I ran CIM. Um, and it just, it was kind of wild to me. Like, I'm just like, should this still count? Like, (laughs) you're like literally a different runner at that point. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I, you know, I, I definitely like want to run the April version again, um, or not again, but, um, someday, but, um, but I think, you know, not, not that many people, um, you know, 20,000 or so can say that they ran the, you know, one October iteration. So I do think that's pretty cool. It was not like, it was not a good race for me, like, uh, you know, time wise or like the actual race experience. Um, but the overall Boston experience was, 
was awesome. Um, and it, it definitely like meant, you know, it, in the moment, like if you would have told 2016 me like, oh, like this will this will be like worth it someday. You know, I probably would have said something mean, but, um, you know, like it was it was definitely more like special. I like approached it with like so much more perspective um, about, you know, just like what I had been through injury wise and um, just felt like so much more grateful to be there experiencing it, um, even though I had not a great day. Um, then I think I would have, you know, a few years prior. I don't think I would have been as, as grateful for the experience. Yeah. So. so coming off of that, as you go into 22, is that the, is the idea for that year to be like, all right, now it's time to get back and, and move past all these, these injuries and, and get back to a level that I was in like 2018 and before? Yeah. I mean, so I, um, when I wasn't sure about like whether Boston was going to happen in 2021, I had also signed up for CIM again. <laughs> In 2021. So I, I, I did the, like, it wasn't really so much a revenge situation because I had planned on it, but I didn't have a great race at Boston. And so that made me even more so want to turn around and like try to have a good race at CIM. Um, and I think those were seven weeks apart, um, that year. So I ended up running CIM and had a pretty good race. I, um, it's my second fastest marathon. I think I ran like 324 or something like that, which again, oh. like my training definitely, you know, had pointed both for Boston and CIM to be, you know, pretty close to where I was at before in 2018. Um, but CIM uh, 2021 was kind of the start of the, like having the same injury on my left side. Um, so I actually like almost dropped out of that race. <laughs> so it's like kind of a miracle to like. Because you were hurt before it or, or in, inside of it? In it. I mean, well, yeah, it, going into it and yeah. in it. Um, yeah, like I, 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 that was a big positive split because the first half it was like, okay, this is fine. And then, you know, all of a sudden it just like wasn't fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was December, 2021. That was the start of, um, you know, I, I sort of knew um, just like anatomically, like I knew the same thing was like probably going to happen on my left side. They told me that. Um, you know, I had hoped it would be like further down the road, but I knew, oh I knew gosh. it was like probably coming. Um, but I mean the, the good, the good thing, I, there is a good thing is that having been through it before, I like knew exactly what it was like when the pain popped up and I didn't have to like kind of go through all the rigmarole of like the diagnosis and all of that. I was like able to get an MRI really quickly. Um, that was December, like early December. I ended up having surgery in February. So it was like a really quick turnaround. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, at that moment in time, is there a part of you that just wants to kind of throw your hands up and say, I'm done with this? Um, no, honestly, like uh, I was just like, well, let's just get this over with. And I only have two hips and then I'm going to be good to go. And like, then we're going to just like get back to business. So I... I was like so much more chill, like about going into like that. Like I was like, well, this is annoying, but you know, like I know that I can, there's a lot of power I think in like having recovered from something before. Like I, I knew how hard it was, but I also knew that I like could come out on the other side and like be maybe not like a better runner, like yet by time, but like, just like, I knew I was a better person and like was approaching running with like more balance and more perspective. And, um, yeah, I was just kind of excited to like get it over with and wow. yeah, 
That's a great mindset to have yeah. because I feel like a lot of people, <laughs> myself included, would be like just so angry at the world. You yeah, know, why well, me? Why this? And, and I guess if you knew going in, like it's probably going to happen. Yeah. You know. Well, then 2023 came and was like, hold my beer. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about, I guess, what does what 2022 look like then? So you have the surgery in February, the recovery process, um, and, and, and what happens the rest of that year leading into last year? Yeah. So surgery in February, um, textbook recovery, um, pretty much. And I, um, I didn't run for, I think it's like three months. You can start running at like right around 12 weeks. Um, but you build up into that. Um, so I did a little bit of running on like the Alter G treadmill, like that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, I had a really like seamless return to running, um, before, before getting injured, um, I had signed up for Chicago 2022. Um, so That's this was where I did my sub three. Yeah. This was in the fall of 2021, of course, because you sign up however far in advance. Very um, and so that was like on the calendar and I, you know, I had put it out there sort of to myself and with my coach of like, if it feels, if it feels safe to do this, like I, I want to run Chicago and I don't know that it will be, I don't know that it'll be racing. I don't know what it will look like, um, but I, I want to go back. Like if it feels, if it feels safe. And I knew that would be like about eight months post-op um, ended up having just like a really awesome training cycle. Never felt like I was like forcing it. Um, I mean, I definitely wasn't like quite back to my previous like volume or intensity or anything like that, but you know, had a few like 50 plus mile weeks, um, pretty good training block and was just like, yeah, let's, let's see what happens. Um, and yeah, ended up like running pretty well, like around 327, um, which, you know, coming off of like basically two surgeries, yeah. like feel pretty good about that. Great weather day in Chicago. Great weather day. day. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I, I just love Chicago. I feel like because it was my first marathon, um, I just like have such a fondness for the city and for the marathon, but like, it, it had been since 2015 that I really like kind of let myself like take it all in and just like enjoy the surroundings. And, you know, when I ran in 2016 and 2017, I was really focused on racing and yeah. um, just really didn't, didn't do that. And so I feel like um, I had a good race like time-wise and like qualified for Boston again, which was not really the goal necessarily um, it was a nice byproduct, but I, um, I also just like took it all in and like, you know, high five the kids and like all of that kind of thing. So, um, that was, that was cool. That was a, good, a really good experience. That's um, awesome. That was yeah. a, that was a really special day. It's, it's, it's awesome that, that you qualified for Boston again, even though that wasn't <laughs> yeah. the plan going in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I like, I definitely knew it was a possibility. Um, and just wanted to like, yeah, see what, see what happened on the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a great day. My husband PR'd um, and we had a lot of other friends that were there that that ran and that were there cheering for us. So it was it was party. Yeah. So what happened in 2023? Yeah. So um, actually just a few weeks after Chicago, I um, I typically take like a week, 10 days or so off of running completely um, after a marathon. And I had done that after Chicago. And, um, you know, I had like the I had the normal soreness for a few days and then I just had um, this like kind of lingering pain like in my left hip, which was the hip I had surgery on in um, 2022. That was the second. Essentially. Yep, yeah, that just like wasn't going away. Um, you know, everything else was like feeling better. And I 
you know, just like didn't, didn't think too much about it. I was like, yeah, it's, you know, they say that like recovery from this surgery, like fully is like a year. So even though I like felt safe about like doing the marathon, I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, I just put a lot of stress on my body. Like it just, I may just need a little bit more recovery time and, um, I'm still recovering from the surgery and, um, anyway, it didn't go away. Um, and my, surgeon right away was like, well, I don't know that it's like necessarily your hip. Um, there's no reason to think that it would be. Um, so we kind of started down this path of it maybe being something with my back instead. So I had like, I had a lumbar MRI and a series of, um, injections, um, like diagnostic and steroid injections in my back and in my SI joint. Um, if you can avoid getting an injection in your SI joint, um, please do. It's like the most painful experience of my life, um, for nothing because it didn't help. (laughs) Um, but you know, the, the last ditch effort was to kind of do another injection into my hip and see if that helped. And if you remember from, my right side, ultimately, that was like the thing that kind of triggered like, OK, it's something in your hip. Um, yeah. It's probably surgical. And that ended up helping again. And um, yeah, I mean, my surgeon like agreed to go in, but was like, it's going to be exploratory. Like, we don't really know like what we're going to find. And so like that, that felt like a risk in a way that like the other two surgeries didn't um, because they were pretty straightforward. It was like, we're going to go in and we're going to like fix the tear and we're going to put these anchors in and we're going to you know, shave off a little bit of extra bone that's like causing the tear. This was like, I don't know, like, we don't know what we're going to find. Like it could be nothing or it could be like a lot. Um, yeah. So ultimately like ended up having a revision surgery. Um, my labrum was like completely destroyed. I don't know why. Um, like I said, I had like a, like a really textbook, recovery um and didn't have like truly did not have any like pain when I was like marathon training like it wasn't like I was ignoring anything um so yeah can't really explain it um but they ended up putting like a a graft um with like donor tissue in there to kind of uh reinforce it um instead of like just using my my own cartilage so hopefully it should be better (laughs) um but yeah, you know, famous last words, like I said, um, and like I joked with so many people in 2022 and I was like so chill about having the second surgery. I was like, yeah, I only have two hips. Like we're going to be good. Um, but apparently the the running gods had other plans. Um, and then this has been just like a, a truly terrible recovery um, physically and mentally has just like has challenged everything I, um, you know, thought I like learned in terms of like having perspective and um, sort of like being okay with it and being at peace about it. And like, I've definitely gotten to that place, but um, the other two surgeries, I recovered from them very easily. And this was like, definitely not the case. And I'm still, I'm still kind of like battling a few things um, like physically, um, like I'm just not like fully back to normal in the way that I, you know, would, maybe not expect, but in the way that I was like with the other two surgeries. So how's that change your relationship with running? I mean, beyond the obvious of you can't yeah. run for long periods of a time, you mentioned at the start of the conversation, deleting Strava. I mean, like, it seems like yeah. it's probably changed a ton. Yeah, it has. And I mean, I think it's, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good that can come from like your whole community being running. Um, but then 
you know, there's a little bit of like negative too, or um, like I said, I mean, most of, I have a lot of very close friends that, you know, I'm, I met them through running, but they are friends beyond just running, but it, it it's hard when it's, you know, kind of a main topic of conversation in a lot of my relationships. And there's definitely that like acute period when you're injured, where it's just like, this is really hard to talk about. Like, I don't, like, I don't want to talk about my injury. I also don't want to talk about like someone else's running. Um, and that's challenging when like running is a big part of your life. Um, you know, you're like leading a run club every week. Like I also became a coach like during all of this. And so, um, still talking yeah, about it I mean, like it's, it's, it was like both like blessing and a curse, I think to like still be so connected to running. Um, and like, ultimately I feel like I've been able to, uh, you know, find the positive in all of that, but there was definitely a period, um, a period of time, you know, kind of like right around when I had surgery and, and, and thereafter that it was just like, it's just better if I don't have to talk about this yeah. to anyone. It's um, like what happens to the person that defines himself as a runner when they can no longer run? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you still um, define yourself as a runner? Totally. Yeah. But, but I think I also define myself as a lot of other things and I, um, I don't like all of my value isn't wrapped up in just running yeah. in the way that it was in the past. So what's next then? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think right now, like my, my focus is just on trying to like continue to return to running like in a balanced way, in a healthy way, um, not forcing it. Um, I, I don't feel like I necessarily like forced it with my other recoveries, but I had like things on the calendar, for instance, where it was like, okay, I like, no, I want to get back to that. Like I, I knew I wanted to run, you know, Chicago 2022. So there was like a little bit of pressure, I think that I was putting on myself to kind of return like on a timeline. Um, and I'm just really trying not to do that this year. And like, honestly, my body would let me, even if yeah. I wanted, even if my mind wanted to. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've just really had to kind of take a step back and like, it's been a lot less about running um, and a lot more about um, kind of like the strength training to be able to support like not only running, but just like being a well-rounded person that can like move functionally. And um, yeah, so I've been focusing a lot on that and just trying to run when it feels right, however long feels right. Um, and, you know, like be be okay with the fact that I like, the reality that I might never get back to where I was before, but also kind of hold some space for like that being a possibility um, and doing everything I can to like get myself to a place where that might be a possibility. And for me, like most of this year, that's meant like a, a focus on kind of the strength training component, um, prioritizing that over running, which is, it's hard. And I like strength training. I've always done that. Wow. I've always been consistent about it, but awesome. like it's definitely, it's harder when you don't have the like, the carrot the of a race, you know, like hanging over you, like, you know, um, so I've had to, I've had to like motivate myself, um, sort of beyond like having that like race as a motivation. What's your husband meant to you through all this? Um, yeah, poor thing. He's been, <laughs> he's been awesome, especially, um, you know, especially like kind of in the early part of this, um, injury recovery cycle when, it was COVID and nobody was really seeing very many other people. We were both working from home. Um, and so, yeah, probably driving each other a little bit nuts, but also, yeah, I mean, he's been a huge supporter. Um, 
and alongside a lot of other friends as well, um, for sure. That's awesome. I uh, wanted to ask you about being a coach. What what got you into doing that? Why did you want to be a running coach? Yeah, um, I think I've always been um, like a student of the sport and just someone that like likes, you know, learning new things. And I think it's just a combination of, yeah, wanting to wanting to give back. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of good coaches in my life, like both in soccer and eventually in running. Um, and have, have just always been interested in like kind of giving back in that way. Um, and also just like kind of wanted something that was different from my day to day job. Um, so yeah, it just was like kind of a natural, um, natural progression. And I think, um, in many ways, like, it was hard to like be connected to running so much um, during all of my injuries, but like coaching was, um, I mean, I didn't get into coaching like just because I was hurt and wasn't running, but like it, it has been like a, a like really positive like way to stay connected and like kind of make it less about myself. <laughs> yeah. Now that it, you know, that it feels like you might be on the backside of everything. I have to imagine that there is a, you look back at that being like a big silver lining where in the moment, maybe you didn't want to do it, but now it's like, at least there, that kind of tethered you to running still. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I definitely try not to like, you know, live vicariously like through other people, but it's been, it's been a nice, um, a nice thing to have to, you know, if there's like, oh, that's something that I would like to try in training. It's like, oh, I can like, you know, I can have an athlete do that. Um, and it, it's helped me kind of like, you know, stay, stay up to speed on like, you know, all the new like shoe tech and fueling and like all that kind of stuff. So it's like a different way that I can kind of nerd out about it. Um, not about myself, but in helping others. What's your favorite part about running? Oh gosh. Um, I think just like being, I love being, I love being outside. It sounds kind of cheesy, but like, um, I'm, yeah, I'm by and large, like not a treadmill runner. Um, ironically, we just bought a treadmill, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I love being outside and I love, um, I do occasionally like running with other people, but it's usually my alone time. Yeah. So I finish every podcast by asking my guest about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something, or it could just be a feeling Holly and Fricky. What are you chasing? Yeah, I think um, I kind of said this earlier, but I think I'm sort of just chasing this like uh, healthy, balanced return to running and, you know, chasing that like little bit of hope um, that maybe I can get back to the level that I was at before and ideally even better. So uh, normally I, I just say thank you, but I wanted to give you a special shout out because I listen to this podcast called The Pre-Race Podcast, and one of the bits that the host does is he talks about being vulnerable. I think you may have been the most vulnerable <laughs> guest that I've ever had on the show, so I really appreciate the conversation tonight. Holly Ann Fricky, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. Thanks, Josh. Thanks again to Holly Ann Fricky for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me as I write about my experience training for the 2024 Eugene Marathon. Email me at Chasing3Hours at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend!